0: tuning into Metal Exchange. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Today I'm going to be talking with Michael Dorenzo. He's the Executive Director at the Silver Institute. So we're going to be talking all things silver. We're going to talk a little bit about the impact of the pandemic, how the market has rebounded since. We're going to talk about Fed Monetary Policy, how green energy is impacting industrial demand for silver. And we're even going to get a little bit into the Reddit Raiders and uh, how they impacted the silver market so without further ado i uh, will bring michael on michael thank you so much for uh, being on the show i really appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk silver with me how are you
1: I'm doing great, and thank you
0: for the opportunity, Michael. Appreciate yeah, it. absolutely. Uh, silver is one of my favorite metals because I can afford it, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I like talking about it. But before we get into the uh, the markets, I'd like for you to just take a few moments and and give a little bit of an overview of what you guys do at the Silver Institute.
1: Sure, absolutely. So you know, the, it's, interestingly, the institute is actually celebrating its 50th year of existence that's in nice. 2020. And when it started, it was really a technical outfit. It produced papers on behalf of uh, or for our member companies. At the time, in the 70s, the hot topic was photography Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit of silver investment. But then as the years went by, it sort of formed into a sort of a marketing association. Um, So now we are set to and and programmed to, to market the metal. So... Our members are mining companies, refiners, wholesalers of silver-based products, uh, transporters, um, and so forth. And what we do is, you know, we want to encourage the development and uses of silver um, and silver-based products. Uh, we want to help develop markets for silver and those products. We help sponsor research and so forth that will hopefully at the end of the day lead to greater silver demand. And of course, we collect and publish statistics on the market itself. So that could be anything from our World Silver Survey to our bi-monthly silver news to our outlook um, on the market uh, at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year, and uh, and so forth. So that's what we do. We have a, a relatively small budget um when you compare it to other metal based organizations. But we do a lot with a little.
0: Yeah, y'all do a great job. I, I reference your reports quite often. Uh, you know, just looking at the overall supply, demand, those type sure. of dynamics. I don't think anybody does a better job of uh of getting that information out there and distilling it. So Well, thank you. Along those lines, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the silver market. I kind of wanted to start with a broad overview. Obviously, the pandemic has wrecked havoc on everything in uh, in the world, uh, and I know that it's certainly uh, had impacts on the silver market. Can yeah. you give kind of a broad overview of uh, what we saw in 2020 and then how it's kind of evolving as we as we've moved halfway through 2021 now?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, 2020 was a... Ch- Challenging year for just about every industry across the globe, and silver was really no exception. We saw lower silver supply coming to the market. Um, that was based really on a six percent reduction in mine production. Um, we saw seven percent increase in scrap supply, and you know overall demand decreased by about ten percent. And it was really all a, a, a byproduct of the, the pandemic mm-hmm. so it it, it 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 touched silver in a in, in a rather unique way industrial demand fell by about five percent it really re- hit a five-year low last year um and that was really led by india which was down by about almost 30 percent right. and uh, europe was down as well and china was down about eight percent um so we saw some modest gains in North America and Taiwan and Japan. but if you look at on a sectoral basis uh, photovoltaic demand actually increased two percent. Hmm. whereas uh, jewelry and silverware dropped 26 and 48 percent respectively and that was really due to uh, to the pandemic right. um, and the shutdown of retail stores um, and factories. But one area where we saw a lot of growth was in investment demand mm-hmm. last year, um, and that was covering both institutional and retail investors. So ETP, silver exchange traded products, uh, grew by over 300 million ounces last year, 331 to be exact.
0: Yeah. That was a record, uh, wasn't it?
1: It was a record, yeah. we drove It drove it over 1 billion ounces for the first time, mm-hmm. and we're still over 1 billion ounces today. Um, and that happened in July of uh, of last year, so you know the retail demand was equally as strong. Right. So, and that was pretty much fueled by the onset of the pandemic, mm-hmm. lower silver prices at the time, and just an unprecedented wave of quantitative easing. Right. Uh, we saw physical investment jump about eight percent last year part of me and that was led primarily by the United States mm-hmm. and it would have been even stronger had it not been for pandemic re- uh, related supply disruptions right <laughs> so in terms of getting these blanks to the mints and so forth uh, for production, we saw big premiums and uh, uh, big 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 downside risk to the investor from a wholesale perspective as well right so, Even exchanges did great last year. As a matter of fact, the Shanghai Futures Exchange overtook the COMEX last year to become the largest exchange for silver futures. And, of course, that leads you all to the silver price, which was averaged about $20.55, which was up 27% um, from 2019. So it wasn't all bad in 2020.
0: Yeah, I, I knew the investment demand had gone up. I did not realize that the uh, the Shanghai had done that well. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look a little bit uh, more specifically at the kind of industrial demand, uh, and that's kind of one of the big differences, obviously, between gold and silver. You have much more of a, a industrial outtake uh, with silver as uh, as opposed to gold. But uh, we've seen a shift over the last decade or so in that. Uh, am I correct in saying that?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, look at industrial demand is over 50% of the entire demand sector. Mm-hmm. So you factor in jewelry and silverware and investment, you're still looking at over 50, 52, 53% is going to the industrial side. and And we think it's had a strong first half of the year. Um, We think it's going to maintain its growth during the second half. And this is all, of course, um, provided that these global economies are starting to recover. And we're seeing that in the United States. We're seeing that in China. We're seeing that to a certain degree in certain European countries and so forth. What we're not seeing it right now is in India. And that could be a downside risk to industrial demand down the road. But... You know, we have a shortage of semiconductor chips. Um, I don't know if that's going to get better in Q3. In the automotive segment, uh, the recovery in vehicle production um, should uh, 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 underpin silver demand later this year. And we remain very optimistic about the photovoltaic sector. Uh, We think new capacity additions this year will exceed 150 gigawatts. And this should in turn lift overall silver demand um, in this segment, despite in that particular application, um, reduction in the silver's holdings.
0: Right. Do you think uh, with the particularly solar, but more broadly with the green energy, I think in some ways it's, I don't want to say recession proof, but given that there is so much interest at the government level, uh, you know, to push these initiatives? Do you think there's probably a little bit more support there? And maybe that's why we saw the, uh, the solar demand maintained even through the uh, 2020, you know, the peak of the pandemic. I,
1: I, I, mean, I mean, absolutely. When you look at silver as a, as a green energy movement, okay, so silver plays a, a key role in solar panels, right? And it has been since we started tracking this in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009. And the optimism optimism for silver's green energy demand remains really strong. We like to think of silver as a decarbonization metal. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in solar panels. We think that the combination of a global effort to reduce fossil fuels uh, reliance, uh, legislation to lower carbon emissions, and favorable government tax policies should result, we think, um, in a continued expansion of solar panel installations over the next decade. I mean, all you have to do is look at the state of California. And right. They have mandated that um, new housing facilities, new complexes, be uh, uh, fixed with uh, solar panels for their electrical mm-hmm. um, working. So that's a plus side for silver. Um, we think that uh, silver... When we first started tracking, this was about about sixty million ounces of silver um, in twenty eleven, and we think that uh, it, it'll be about one hundred and five million ounces this year. Wow,
0: yeah, that's a big increase.
1: Yeah, and then you and then if you couple that with clean energy with respect to electric vehicles, right? Um, you know, we saw what the president of the United States did just last week with his EV um, goals. Uh, this is something that's really going to drive silver loadings in vehicles. Um, we think that, uh, you know, we did a report earlier this year in January on silver's use in the automotive industry. And we think that at each stage of the transition from internal combustion engines to uh, battery electric vehicles, to hy- and before that hybrid vehicles, to eventually autonomous driving is going to be a plus for silver
0: autonomous driving creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right with you, okay. I, I don't know if I want my car uh, taking me where it wants me to go. But <laughs> that's a that's a whole di- different ball of uh, wax. Exactly. So looking at this, I mean that's uh, you know certainly a plus for demand. Let's kind of look at the supply side. Obviously, you know you mentioned that there was a, a pretty big decrease, and that makes sense. I'm sure a lot of mines were shut down mm-hmm. uh, during during the pandemic. But I know also we, we've kind of seen a little bit of drop off in mine production even in the couple of years leading up to the pandemic. Yes. are we going to be able? Is do you feel like that the uh, the the mine production is going to be able to keep up with this demand?
1: I think it will. But I also think that in 2021, it's obvious, we think strongly that it's going to be a better year than it was for our mining members uh, than it was in 2020. Um, you know, we initially, in January of this year, had said that we forecast an 8% increase in mine production, and um, we also were looking at an increase in scrap supply coming to the market. Right. I don't know if it's going to be quite 8%, but if you look at one of the largest mining companies... Um, the largest actually silver producer fresneo they had a 2.7 increase um um in uh, the first half of 2021 and and it puts them on track to meet their 2021 guidance so we're starting to see that through a wide range of mining companies as they're reporting their second quarter figures today so i don't know what that number is going to be now and there is some downside risk of course to that number Uh, You've got COVID, you've got the Delta variant, you've got Lambda variants, and you also have the second largest mining country in the world in Peru facing a a new leader who wants to sort of nationalize the mineralization um, of of Peru. So we don't know just now. We'll have to wait till later in the year to get a better determination of that.
0: Right. Now, am I correct? I, I might be making this up, but I feel like that I've read that uh, there's quite a bit of silver mined that is actually kind of a secondary uh, product yeah. with other like copper mining. Is that is that correct am I, my am opinion? I yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's a unique metal in that only about 30% of mined silver, and this has been the case for many, many years, comes from what's known as a primary silver mine. Mm-hmm. So a primary silver mine is a mine that produces about 51, anything over 50% of silver. And the rest of the silver that comes to the out of the mines really comes from gold, lead, zinc, and copper mining um, activities.
0: It's interesting. Um, why is there? I feel like there's a lot more scrap uh, mm-hmm. that comes out of silver than say in the gold market. Why is that? Is there you know, a-
1: it, it's just it's, it, it is what it is. And the fact of the matter is is that we've seen down years. And the last two years, we've seen an uptick in, in recycling. And, and, and last year, um, especially in the second half of the year, it had a lot to do with people trading in and scrapping primarily their gold jewelry, okay. their gold artifacts, and then just sweeping silver um, into it. Yeah. So, you know, 2020, we saw about a 7% jump in uh, recycling uh, come into the market. But it really mostly came from jewelry and silverware, and uh, India, ironically, provided most of those gains as consumers and individuals in India, India were scrapping their gold and silver right. out of their out of their personal holdings. Yeah. We also saw an increase on the industrial side, especially in the ethylene oxide uh, uh, market, where they're swapping out silver um, through the catalyst, putting new silver in but taking the old silver out. For uh, for recycling, uh, we're not seeing much coming back to the market these days with photographic scrap, as right. you may imagine. Um, and we also saw a somewhat reduction in coin scrap last year. Now, we thought initially that at the beginning of the year that scrap supply would actually be at about seven or eight percent, like it was last year. But you know, the price of silver um, is you know in the twenty-four dollar range today. Right. And we've seen it hit as high as 30 in early February, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is, is it, it is sort of price sensitive, right? Uh, it, you know, we when you go back to 2011 and 12 and 13, when the price was bucking up against uh, 50 dollars an ounce, um, scrap supply was was even higher then.
0: right. Yeah, that makes sense. I wrote wrote a report a while back, interestingly, on India. In uh, the fact that a lot of people, particularly in some of the poor rural regions, their silver mm-hmm. and gold jewelry was a lifeline. Uh, you know, as as they faced the the difficulties of lockdowns and those types of things. That's um, true. Another fun fact: the uh, the Japanese uh, for the Tokyo Olympic Games, the medals, uh, the medal in the medals, which are primarily primarily silver. A lot of people don't know gold medals are mostly silver. Uh, yes, it, every bit of that came from uh, scrap cell phones and electronic devices.
1: It really did. Yeah. And it was interesting because the Japanese, the uh, uh, the residents, the the population of Japan did their part in helping um, getting their old materials uh, to the Olympic Committee for those medals. But, you know, what? you don't want to stop there with just the Olympic medals. Right. So the gold medal was primarily silver it's got a gold plate right the silver medal is all silver and the bronze medal is i think it's more of a copper lead type of uh of metal copper nickel i believe copper nickel Mm -hmm. okay so but when you when you look at the trophies of the major sports um in the united states and throughout the world they're all made of silver yeah i mean silver really is is for champions the america's cup for for sailing The uh, Super Bowl trophy is made of silver. The World Series trophy is made of silver. The tennis trophies for Wimbledon, the plates and so forth, are all made of silver. So when you look at the end of the day, it really is silver that should be uh, at the top, and gold should be secondary.
0: You missed the greatest trophy of all time the Stanley
1: Cup. The Stanley Cup, which we just saw here in Washington, D.C. a few years ago, all made by silver, uh, all made with silver. And, you know, what's interesting about that is that the players take that cup around. I saw a couple of players at bars pouring champagne into the cup and drinking it. And then they go on, you know, taking home or whatever.
0: Yeah, I'm the big I'm a big Tampa Bay Lightning fan, so we've had Well, uh, you're in the right place. Then. Yes, so we've had that we've had it two years in a row. They actually uh, uh Pat Maroon actually dropped it and dented it, so they had to send it up to Montreal to uh, to be repaired, which is another thing about silver, it's uh, very resilient. Uh, it's you, very you resilient. Can it. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: You can fix it.
0: Yeah. So, um let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with the monetary policy. You mentioned it briefly, but uh you know, we've seen unprecedented quantitative easing. Uh there's talk that they might taper might not who knows uh the the fact of the matter is right now they're not so um mm-hmm. do, do you see this uh continued inflationary pressure we really haven't seen it move uh either no. gold or silver in the last you know 6 months or so what, what what's kind of your take on what we're seeing in the investment world right now
1: well it's interesting because um you know we, you talk about tightening and so forth and no one really knows right um, the governors know, the chairman knows, but- I'm not sure that, they know
0: sometimes. They may
1: not either, you yeah. never know. But I mean, it, it does present a downside risk. I guess the question is, has that downside risk already been built into the current price? Yeah. I mean, we saw last week, for for example, um, those really strong US non-farm non payroll numbers. Right. Um, it started you know, the catalyst of a downward pressure on both the gold and silver right. price. And when Sunday nights open in Asia um, only added to that, and we're just today starting to recover some of that price activity. Um, I don't know. I don't know. uh, I'm not so certain the Fed is going to raise rates um, as as soon as some people tend to think. But there are others out there that think that this has already been baked into the current silver price and gold price. So we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm kinda with you. I, I feel like they, they might give it a shot. I'm not sure that they can tighten significantly given I I feel like that the monetary stimulus is a big part of uh the recovery. So, you know, they they have to walk that line of, of trying to fight inflation and, and keep the and, economy and, going. And
1: and Mike, let's not forget the fact that we are almost at I believe we're at twenty nine trillion dollars in debt. Yeah. Um when yeah. you when when you factor yeah. in this recent three point five trillion dollar bill that was just uh um, yesterday so i mean the debt the interest rates everything and the amount of money that's still being pummeled into the into the economy today by the fed and you know there's an opportunity for this administration to completely transform the social structure of the united states for generations and it looks like they're going to try to do it, and I don't know if they're going to be successful. But that means that more people will be living off the government than they are on their own. And is that good for silver and gold? I I, I don't. It probably at the end of the day, it maybe is. Yeah. But we will see.
0: Well, I think you make a good point about the fact that you know the the it may already be baked in. Um, you know, you kind of see that sometimes the uh, where they they call it buy the buy the rumor, sell the fact. Right, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if when they actually, you know, tick it up twenty five basis points, and all of a sudden you start. We actually did see that back in in uh, twenty was it twenty sixteen when they raised interest rates the first time after the uh, the financial mm-hmm. crash. You, you know, gold actually <coughs> and silver both actually started to climb at that point. True. Um, what's kind of your take on the the whole Reddit thing? We saw a, a pretty a pretty big price surge uh, a couple of months ago when uh, they it decided they were going to try to pull the squeeze. Uh, my feelings always been that the silver market's a bit too big to do kind of what they've been able to do with the AMC stock. Uh, but what's, what's kind of your take on all of that?
1: Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, our point of view is this, is that, you know, the interest in silver in late January and early February was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really had a social media campaign started with Reddit that spread to Twitter right. and other social media platforms that really – galvanized, we think, a new generation of silver investors, and they're still in the market today. Uh, You know, some of this was done because they proposed there was a systemic shorting of uh, silver by major financial institutions, um, which created, in their minds, an opportunity to trigger a short squeeze. The market is just too big for that. Now, you know, if you're looking at Game Boy or BlackBerry or some of AMC, right. you may have an opportunity to shift it in a major way, one way or the other. But you know, the the, the interesting thing was this just wasn't physical silver. They were buying ETPs, right. they were buying the PSLV, they were buying the SLV, um, they were buying coins and bars. And even to this very day, it's still very difficult to get your hands on um, in a very timely manner um, an American Eagle. Yeah. I mean, there's a long wait. Uh, there's a higher premium. And uh, we think that those folks that are involved in that movement um, will be involved in this movement for a long time because, one, they're passionate. Two, they're very smart. Mm-hmm. And three, they think so highly of silver. I just don't think it's going to go away.
0: Yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the silver eagles because that's one of the places where you've seen the you know we saw the big covid disruptions uh i think they actually had to shut down one of the uh one of their production facilities for a while so um, right. you know that that takes a long time to to catch that back up and i know for it shift does. gold, uh there's there's been you know there's the shortages and high premiums and people get mad oh why is the premium so high well it because you know the products just not out there right um, uh, do you pay much attention to the silver-gold ratio? That's uh, something that a lot of investors like to look at. And it, it kind of had narrowed back down to around 64, 65, uh, which is getting closer to kind of the modern uh, average. Yeah. But it's kind of spread back out again. Uh, I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days, but it was starting to kind of widen. Do you, do you pay much attention to that?
1: Well, we do. We do. We think it's indicative of uh, where the both metals market is at this any given time. Um You know uh the 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 silver price uh in relation to gold um was pretty strong leading up until about mid-june uh we saw silver price tumble to below Mm 24.50 in late july and uh that was basically the first time since april um it was followed by a quick recovery up to about 26 um and the reversal from around June 16th saw that ratio uh, widen from 67 to above 73, right. uh, which is a level we last saw really early in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that you see this also through uh, a decline in COMEX positions, which experienced a 26% fall in June, and net longs fell by about 36% in July. Um, we th- you know, you have that news, but then you also have the news about individual investors dominated in the ETP arena, mm-hmm. um, and they really remained unchanged um, after the one percent drop in June. So, there is a strong belief out there in a firm recovery in the silver price. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think that's that's fair, especially if you know if, if we can continue to see the uh, global economic progress. And uh, you mentioned India. You know, I, I think maybe. Uh, You said they were a little bit slower in uh, rebounding, and and perhaps that's because their kind of second wave of COVID kind of came earlier. I mean, we're just Mm -hmm. starting to see that here. And uh, I I know I I was looking at some of the gold stats the other day, and and there uh, was certainly a bit of a rebound in the uh, gold demand in the very end of the uh, second quarter as that, that wave kind of passed by. So, you know, perhaps we'll start seeing that as well in the silver market. We hope so. Well, is there anything else that's uh, that's going on out in the world of silver that uh, that folks need to know about any innovations or uh, in- anything that we haven't covered in the markets that you think is noteworthy?
1: Well, I, I would just like to conclude with saying that, you know, all your listeners are welcome to come to our website to look at all the materials we have put out. Yeah. Um, over, I'll link to that. Yeah, excellent. For many, many years, we've we've done. um These market trend reports, which are very concise Mm -hmm. uh, reports, typically led by leading researchers or uh, experts in their own particular field. We did one on automotive, which I mentioned earlier. We just put one out on Mm -hmm. printed and flexible electronics. Mm -hmm. And shortly we'll be putting one out on silver and global connectivity. Uh, We think that's going to be a story that a lot of people will be surprised Uh, to read about because yes cell phones and your computers and all that uh, uh, contain silver of course because it's the best conductor of electricity in terms of metals but it's also interesting to see how the interplay between your home devices your automobiles the other devices you have at home or in the office or in your car um, are all connected by silver so that's something come up that's coming up on the horizon for us
0: yeah. One of the things that I do, you, you guys do your, uh, uh, I believe it's bi-monthly, but kind of your silver news. Yes. You know, whenever that comes out, I do a little summary and, and link to it. So we, we try to promote, uh, that information out there for folks because it's, you know, it's all important information for anybody who's interested in silver and in interested in investing, which is you know primarily, uh, what people are following our website are interested in. But, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top, you guys do a fantastic job of well, getting you. that information out, and uh, it helps me. Gives me stuff to write about. I love when the reports are well, very come out. good. So uh,
1: yeah, we do them every uh, every other month, six editions a year. We'll be putting one out at the end of August, mm-hmm. and um, people find that it's just a fascinating read. You know, we have that translated into Chinese and Spanish. We try to market to the market it to those two countries as well. And the good news is is that essentially all of our reports in PDF form are available at no cost yep. to uh, to the visitor. So
0: Yeah, and it's amazing. You know, you you go through some of the technology you, you guys cover a lot of the stuff, the research that's going on, mm-hmm. particularly in I find that a lot of the stuff that's going on in medicine and in uh the biological type of stuff, I find all that very, very fascinating. And it's, well, like every, it is every every time an issue comes out, it's like wow, that's you know they've come up with something new. It's really pretty amazing, right?
1: Right. I think inventors, I think manufacturers, I think especially those in the healthcare arena, uh, doctors, scientists, and so forth, are looking at silver um, increasingly more um, as a as as a tool to reduce infections. Mm-hmm. As a, it is actually, as you know, a an antibacterial. Right. Um, it's incorporated, as you know, on, on bandages, on sprays, mm-hmm. on EMT vehicles um, throughout the United States and in other countries. Um, it's all through the hospital rooms. It's in the gowns. It's increasingly being woven into textiles mm-hmm. uh, to help fight bacteria. But even more so today, it's being used in conjunction with your smartwatch or right. your iPhone, your whatever device yeah. you have. Fit, uh, fit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, you can monitor and track and uh, your, your your performance on a daily basis. But the ones that are being sewn into the textiles, your clothing, is is just equally as interesting. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, uh, on the show notes page, we will be uh, linking to uh, your website and, and some of this information. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to cover what you're doing. Appreciate very much you taking a little bit of time out of your busy day to, to talk Thank to you. us. Thank you. Uh, it's always good a overview. pleasure. And um, so we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up and let you get back to uh, things you've got going on at the office.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I do appreciate it. And uh, call us anytime and to all your listeners and viewers out there, please come to the Institute's website. Mike will link to it at the end of the end of this segment and uh, look forward to seeing you all. Thank right. you. Thank you.
0: Thank you.